So two weeks ago, we started looking at uh, the evidence of change, like what your life looked like before Jesus, and what your life should look like since Jesus. Now, for some people, this is a night and day difference. Uh, if you ever hear my dad's testimony, which he won't, but he told me that he was one of those guys. He went from that night to day difference kind of thing. Uh, it was remarkable, and that's good for me because uh, it was right shortly before I was born. I needed a dad that was willing to walk in faith. My life, I grew up in a Christian home. I didn't. I, didn't, I wasn't the hell yet. I didn't break into school and change the grades. I didn't rob banks. I didn't do nothing exciting. And so my life has, has had to change as well because I wasn't perfect. So whatever category you fit into, I want you to remember a couple of different things. One is when you screw up, confess it, you know, admit it. And number two is press on. Uh, today is uh, February 12th. It is 11.21. Count that as a time where you say, from now on, I'm going to live a life worthy of the calling I have received. Um, I'm kind of curious, does anybody here, would they like some easy candy? This may not be that easy, but if you want candy, I'm going to ask you to tell me what have we, what are some examples of things we've talked about the last four weeks. Now, if you get it right, I will give you the good candy. If you get it wrong, I'll just give you candy. So, anybody who's willing to come up here and tell me anything that you have heard the last two weeks, I don't care what it is, I've got some candy for you. Okay, we got two very solid. You guys might just get two pieces each, whether you get it right or not. No one else? You have no idea of anything you've heard the last couple weeks? you got to come up here. All right. Okay, I will hold your tongue. Okay, that's great. We looked at five things last week. We looked at praying, you know, asking God to guard my tongue. Uh, we looked at walking away. We looked at stopping the intake of that thing that's going to come off my tongue. We talked about biting your tongue. I'm afraid. Hold your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, hold your tongue. I'll give it to you. All right, thank you. All right, Jason. Live a life worthy of the. Living, uh, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. All right, perfect. That's exactly true. That's our big birthday one. Does anybody want Jason's candy? Okay, here. I'm going to blow this. Oh, nope. That's as far as I got it. That's my hate life bulbs. Okay, so we looked at four different, we've been, we looked at recently, four different things that we can work on. As we live out of life, it's changed. We looked at, first of all, we need to tell the truth. We're not lying to each other. We're not deceiving each other. We're not misleading people. We are stating the truth as it really is. We looked at uh, not sitting when we get angry, not throwing our phones, not screaming and yelling at each other. We looked at, uh, yes, we're going to get mad, but we're going to handle it the right way. We looked at not taking things that don't belong to us, not looking at my own wants, but looking out for the desires of other people. And last week, the most famous one is our tongue. We talked about guarding our tongues. Um, I've been texting with uh, Bud Boots. I like Bud Boots. He's a, he's a easy guy to talk to. And uh, he had asked me two weeks ago, or last week, uh, what are you going to preach on? I said, well, we're going to be talking about our tongues. And he says... That's something that should be talked about every single week. And that's exactly true. Uh, there are so many passages in Scripture, we could talk about this every week, and it would 
hit every single person some way or another every single week. Today we're going to be moving on to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 to 32. Let me pray. I want to read this before we pray. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's pray. God, again, we come to the time of, of listening to your word. God, I pray that we're not hearing what I say, but we are hearing what you say. What your word teaches us, what we need to specifically apply to our lives. That we walk out of this church convinced that you are real. We're convinced that we need to change something in our life, and we'll do whatever it takes to do that. Your will be done, your words be said. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to be looking at today is we're going to be looking at make the Holy Spirit happy. You know, when I took Bible, when I took a preaching class, they say, don't say, do not. Don't. Don't put that in your uh, points. Make it something positive. So, therefore, make the Holy Spirit happy is the focus of this as opposed to do not read the Holy Spirit, which is obviously the same thing. Ephesians 4, 3 says, and do not read the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If we think about, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, if we look at the Trinity, this picture we have of the Trinity, uh, Darren had mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we were looking at the Holy Spirit. You have this picture, I hope that you can see here, this whole, the center here says God, you have the Spirit, you have the Son, you have the Father. It says the Spirit is God. The Spirit is not the Father, the Spirit is not the Son, and the same for the other two. The Holy Spirit is the one that seems to get the least attention. It's the least understood, but we're going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit today and how we need to make sure we're keeping in mind how the Holy Spirit is treated. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there at creation. When God created the earth, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters when the earth was created. In the Old Testament, He shows up and at times he's, he's talking and interacting in the lives of people. In the New Testament, he gets a lot more coverage, a lot more explanation. When Jesus was conceived, he played a part in the pregnancy of Mary. Uh, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come, John chapter 14, verse 26, who, who would be a counselor and he would share the things that Jesus wanted them to know. But he's not just an impersonal God. He's not just up there, or he, he's not just here, he, that he doesn't really care. He's a person. And as a person, uh, he has experience, he has emotion. And it says that he can be grieved. That means to make sorrowful, sorrowful, to affect with sadness, to cause grief, to throw into sorrow. Now, who can grieve the Holy Spirit? You know, you might say, well, those people out there who don't know the Holy Spirit can grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, that might be so. But if you look at this verse, and you know who Paul is talking to, Paul is talking to believers, and he's telling them, do not, you believers, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So he's saying, you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That guy up there talking on Sunday morning can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We can make the Holy Spirit unhappy. Now think about what in your life causes, what's, what's the last time you felt sorrowful? Somebody has grieved or hurt you. You know, maybe it's a missed opportunity that you didn't get a cash in on, made you sad. Maybe somebody said something to you 
that you did not like, maybe somebody, uh, they, they offended you somehow, and it just really bothered you on the inside, right? You understand this sorrowful feeling. How many people like to feel this emotion? You know, we don't like funerals. Why? Because they make us feel sad. We don't like death. We don't like bad news because it's a grieving, it's a sad thing. The Holy Spirit feels that same emotion. He just has to do it a lot more. And we are the people who cause that upon Him. And that is something that we should not be doing as believers. Now, how do you handle it? When, you, when somebody offends you or they hurt you, what do you do? Do you sit around and just smile and be happy? No, obviously, it doesn't make me happy. If you can, you leave the situation. Right? If uh, Jason's offended me, he's hurt me, he said something that I didn't like to hear, I can leave the situation. Uh, I can, some people drown that emotion. Let me just get that bottle. And I'm, I'm feeling my marriage states and my, my job situation, I'm just going to drown it. I'm going to drown it by just watching TV or playing video games. You can just drown that emotion because you don't want to dwell on that emotion. Some people will ignore that emotion. Yes, it's there. I don't like it. I'm just going to ignore it. The best thing to do is to work through it. Some people are very good about that. But a lot of times, we just do everything other than what we should do with that emotion. We try to get away from it. Well, as a believer in Jesus, your body is a temple. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit is inside you? You trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? The Holy Spirit moves in. It says in 6.19, Don't you know your body is a temple and the Holy Spirit who is in you you have received from God, you are not your own, you are bought with Christ, therefore honor God with your body. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Once you get saved, the Holy Spirit goes in like I just said, but it's not a rental situation. If you've ever rented something or if you, if, when you have a job, uh, there's this phrase that I, don't take this offensively, but I didn't hear this phrase until I moved to Plumna. If you don't like it, you can leave. Okay? The Holy Spirit, He moves inside of you, and you can't, He doesn't have that option. He can't say, I don't like it, I can leave, like it's a real situation. Uh, it's a permanent dwelling. It says uh, that it, He is a seal. The Holy Spirit is a seal. Uh, it's guaranteed. It's to set a mark upon, to impress upon a seal, to stamp. That proves that I am God's. The Holy Spirit living inside of <coughs> He can look around and say, yep, Dale and Sharon, they belong to Jesus. Yep, Stephen and Nina, they've got the Holy Spirit inside of them. They belong to me. There is there's something that I cannot see, but God sees and he says, you have that seal, and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And so really, that's a great thing for you. That's an awesome thing that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. It's a guarantee that you have salvation. But that's not such a cool thing for the Holy Spirit. Because the same Holy Spirit who is sealing you to give you eternal life is the same Holy Spirit who's living inside of you when you are sinning. When you're walking in the simple ways that you should not go, the Holy Spirit is still stuck there. Uh, I was, my dad was teaching a Sunday school class this past summer that really struck me. And it really started making me think a lot more about being more conscious of my behavior is that the Holy Spirit is right there with me. He's grieved every time that I'm doing something that I should not do. When I'm walking in the ways of the old man, when I lie, 
when I'm sitting in anger, when I'm stealing, when unwholesome talk is flying out of my mouth, the Holy Spirit is grieved. We get a, a picture of this, um, if I can find this, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, I tell you and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Not just everybody who's not a Jew, but is referencing the heathen, the people who do not know God, they are going to live life however they want. I'm, yes, I'm going to lie to stay out of trouble. Yes, I'm going to seek every pleasure that I can find. What else are they supposed to do? Right? All they know is they have this life. I'm going to live it to the fullest. And there's something about us as, as Christians who say, boy, I want to go to heaven. I know that's where I want to go when I die, but I'm still living on this earth. I still want to stay out of trouble. I still want to enjoy that, that pleasure of that sin. And we want to go with the in crowd. We want to do those same kinds of things. And he says, don't live like them anymore. We've got to say no to those kinds of things. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us who is a deposit, a seal, guaranteeing that we are going to have eternal life. Now when you sin, the Holy Spirit living inside of you is a guarantee. You, 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 have, you will always have that relationship with God. But when you sin, that fellowship is broken. The best thing you can example is a parent-child relationship. When Noah, I love the kid, but he's not perfect. When everything's going good, we have a great fellowship. But when Noah disobeys, we still have a relationship. He's still my son. He's still with Lachlan. But that fellowship is broken between me and him. We have to do something to make it right. Noah has to confess or I have to confess and we got to make this relationship right. That's the same way it works with God. We have that permanent relationship with that fellowship can be broken. And one reason why this is really important to grasp is because when that fellowship is broken, the Holy Spirit is not working in your life the same way he could if that relationship or if that fellowship was intact. When, when, the Holy, when I sin, there's a separation that kind of that takes place, and the Holy Spirit cannot work in my life. He, so that's it. I've got to make that right as quickly as possible. Uh, 1 John 1 9 says, If I confess my sin, he's faithful, he's going to forgive my sins. But if I don't, if I don't confess it, he doesn't just ignore it. He doesn't let water run across, he doesn't let go underneath the bridge and ignore it. Until you make it right with God, there's there's a, a broken fellowship, and he is not going to work in your life. Until you confess that. So maybe you're praying. You're asking God for an answer. You're asking God for wisdom, for help, and God is not answering. You feel like I'm just talking to the ceiling and nothing's happening. Perhaps there's sin in your life that you've got to confess. Maybe you know what it is, but you've got to just do that very difficult thing and say, I admit that I did this again. Please forgive me. Or maybe it's something from the past that you've forgotten. And you need to give a blanket prayer. God, for whatever I've done, please forgive me. I need to hear from you so you can have your restored to that right fellowship. So the first thing we're going to try to focus on today is to make the Holy Spirit happy. When you are walking in the ways of God's truth, you are going to do that. When you're walking in the ways of sin, you're going to break that fellowship that you have. Number six, if we're looking at an accounting in a quarter, of things that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks. Number six is remove the negative responses. Ephesians 4.31 has an awful lot of them. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And I don't know if 
nails any of you, but this this is something that that nails me um, as I as I go through this. Um, you know, I like watching crime shows. Does anybody here like watching crime shows? No. Yes. Okay. I got a few fans out there. We love watching crime shows. Well, if you are if you want to commit a crime, if you want to be a good career criminal, which please don't do. But if you want to be a career criminal, and you have these, these uh, the best criminals are those who are able to hide all the, or clean up all the evidence. You know, they, they commit this crime and they wipe up all the the fingerprints. They, they wipe the insides of the glasses because you can get DNA from there. They, they get rid of the murder weapon or they get rid of the tracks of their, their shoes walking. Whatever evidence is there that can tie them to the crime, they get rid of. And if they have time, they leave, they come back and they try to look at your crime with a fresh set of eyes and see what did I miss. What are they trying to do? They're trying to get rid of the evidence. Every little possible clue that there possibly is to tie them to this crime that has taken place, they get rid of because they don't want to be found out. Think about that when you're talking about get rid of these different uh, negative responses, these negative emotions. And make sure that there's not even a hint of these things going on. That there is no trace of this. And the only way to really be 100% sure that you don't have any evidence that you had to get rid of is to not have it in the first place. I have to not commit the crime in order to be sure of 100% uh, guilt-free, that I'm not ever going to be found out. I have to make sure I did, did not commit that crime. He says, get rid of bitterness. This is long-standing resentment. You know, this is the person who uh, has the opportunity to make it right but refuses to do it. Does anybody here know anybody who's resentful? I, I know I know people who are resentful. And the, the most resentful person I know is somebody who says, I'm a believer in Jesus. Very loud about it. They'll, they wear the shirts. They say everything everywhere that you don't want them to say. And they're the most resentful person that I've ever met in my life. And that's, that's a sad bunch of people because you think about it. There, there's opportunities to, to have conversations, and this person refuses. All they would rather do is rehash and be, remind themselves of all the things that have gone wrong in their life instead of trying to make it right. And, they're, and really, they're the only person who's really suffering, is that resentful person. They hang on to all this, and everybody else says, I tried to make it right, I guess I'm just going to move on. And they move on, they go on with their whole life, but that resentful person, that better person, is the most inward struggling person that they're getting eaten from the inside out. And Paul says, don't let yourself, don't let that happen to you. Do not be that resentful, that, that better person. Rage. This is the person with the short food fuse who throws his phone. Right? This is the guy who, who blows like this, he, he, he says, he does whatever, without thinking about the consequences, and the person's left you know, like, in shock that they just heard whatever they heard, and uh, but I feel better because I just exploded. Well, you know, it's, it's quickly started, it's quickly done, but you know a bomb does that. A bomb, you you, you light the fuse and it goes off and then it, it's, it explodes and then it's done. You know, it, um, and people can be like this. They say things that they regret. They, they do things that they regret. Uh, they, they break things in anger, they, 
they speed. You know, some people when they get mad, they get in their car, they just hit the gas, they just speed, and they don't care. They, they crank the music up louder than you can handle. Uh, they kill people because of that. They quit their job, whatever it is, because that's the kind of anger that they have. It just it goes off like this. And Paul says, do not do that. It is not okay to show emotion like this. He says, get rid of anger. You know, this isn't the kind of anger that you just you get mad about and it's a righteous anger. This is the kind of anger that's slow. It's slow to get started, but it's like a never-ending, it's a long-lasting anger. And it's because this person hasn't dealt with what bothers them. You know, we looked at a couple weeks ago how we should probably, when you sin, make sure you get it right before you before you end that day. Um, in your anger, do not sin, but if you do, don't let the sun go down while you're so angry. Well, this person sounds really good because they're not throwing that bomb, but they're letting it fester day after day after day till finally they do something about it. And when they do something about it, it's a lot more calculated, and it's usually a lot worse. I think about the school shooter. They get bullied, they have whatever reason they're not happy at school, and they don't, right now, pull out a gun and do something. Typically, they start getting on the internet, they start buying ammo, they start buying guns, they start making these plans, and then they do this. But they let that anger build and build and build until finally they explode and they do something that's almost a lot worse. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't explode in your anger. Don't stew about it from day to day. He says, get it dealt with today. You have that conversation, you make it right today, so that tomorrow, a brand new day, you don't have to think about this anymore. So get rid of bitterness. Get rid of age, rage. Get rid of anger. These are believers. These are people like you and I that feel this way, that we're acting like this. So it's not just them. These are people like us in this room today. He says get rid of brawling. And I want to think about brawling. I think about a bar fight. You know, you go to the, uh, you go to the bar, you some guy mouths off, and you just let him have it. Because, and you start, everybody's, it's like the Westerns when they grab the chairs, they're busting them over each other's backs, they're punching people through the big glass windows, and that's what I picture with brawling. But brawling is, in the King James, I think it says clamor, it means a crying out. Now, have you ever been in an argument with somebody and it's like, who can outdo who, and who can be loud? Right? I've been in those kinds of situations where I'm, I'm talking, this person's talking, we just get louder and talking louder and louder until I'm screaming and yelling. I got a louder voice than my wife does. Not, not, <laughs> not really, but I do have a louder voice, but I get the idea. It's like, I'm going to outdo you as opposed to doing what James says. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Instead of trying to make sure that you hear my point of view and my, what I have to say, I should just stop and listen. Maybe I can avoid apologizing later. Maybe I'll understand specifically where the situation is going. And if we all do that, not just me and my, whoever I'm fighting with, we're going to be better off if we're all going to listen to each other. And so we should, we should be the person who's uh, fighting for top dog, I'm the loudest, I'm the longest, I'm going to get heard what I want heard. We should be willing to listen to each other. And in the, in the moment, that's hard to do. I'm now telling you from experience, once I get going, it is hard to stop, right? And if, you, if you're, hopefully, somebody out there knows what that feels like. Not that I want you to experience it, but I don't want to be the only guy out here who's admitting that he yelled. 
Number E, letter E, slander. He says, get rid of verbal abuse against someone. That's speaking against someone's good name. You're wounding someone's reputation by evil reports. You're lying about them. You're passing around the gossip that's going around, that rumor, and you're slandering them. You know, the best thing you can do uh, is to just keep that fight. We talked about last week. I, I want to say that word. I'm going to leave that situation. I'm going to pray and ask God to guard my tongue because these things want to come out. But once again, who is Paul talking to? He's talking to people just like you and just like me. And, and, and it's, you know, if you think about, uh, I want to pick on Darren. You know, if I, if I had to, I'm going to, I'm going to say it as a kid, and I'm going to, I'm going to go yell at Weston. Okay, I'm going to get in a fight, and I'm going to yell at Weston, or I'm going to slander Weston's good name, or I'm going to scream and yell at Weston, or I'm going to explode at him. You know, if I'm a kid, and I have to go talk to Darren after I did that, like Darren hears about this, do you think I'm going to really want to do that? I'm not going to want to scream and yell at Weston if I have to go talk to Darren. Right, that's dad, you don't mess with dad or mom over how you're coming, how you're treating your kid, right? You guys kind of get that lame example I'm trying to flip it out. You get that. You don't mess with that kid if you don't want to do it on dad. Well, think about the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you, living inside of me. And if I'm slandering one of you, or if I'm exploding in anger at one of you, or if I'm bitter at one of you, who am I going to have to deal with? I'm not dealing with some earthly dad. I'm the, Holy, I'm the Father up in heaven who's looking down. I'm slandering one of his kids. That's a big, ugh. I gotta, I mean, that's, we got to keep these things in mind. That when, I'm, when I'm exploding at you or yelling at you or speaking bad about you, I'm doing that to one of God's kids. God doesn't appreciate that. And I'm going to have to apologize that. I'm going to have to give an account for every careless word that I say. So keep that, you know, in mind that what I'm doing to you, I'm doing to one of God's kids, and I better be careful about what I say. The last one, he says, malice, vicious character, the endeavor to do evil. It's a badness and quality. And that's, that's even sad that, you know, believers want to continue this kind of behavior towards other believers. That I want to cause evil will on you, or you want to cause evil will on somebody else. But that's what apparently was going on with these people that Paul's writing to. They were growing in their faith, but they're still struggling with things like this. And they're still treating each other poorly. When the world says, go ahead, somebody wronged you? Revenge. Revenge is yours. I'll help you do it. And you're justified in it. It is okay to go treat people bad, especially if they've treated you bad before. And that's not what God says. He says, get rid of it. It's the evidence in your life. You don't want there to be evidence in your life of any of these things. But in order for there not to be evidence, it cannot be there. We've got to, to make sure we get rid of it. Uh, you know, a couple different thoughts that I, I have that might help. I'm not going to run through all these and say, here's a specific example. But I think you all are, are capable of taking these and kind of applying for your community. One, you know, you might have to go up a conversation you know, if I'm having an issue with Trey, you know, and I'm, I just want to slander Trey, or Trey slander me, and I hear about that, my, my natural response might want to be, throw Trey under the bus. But I might not say, hey, Trey, bud, what's going on? Let's have a conversation. No, we're not going to have a conversation. <laughs> Since you talk too much, you want to have a conversation. And that's difficult to do. We 
make them do it. Go make it right with your brother or your teacher. But as an adults, we have to do this too. We might have to have a conversation with somebody in order to work out our differences. We might have to pray to ask God to help us respond differently. I know the next time I get mad, I'm going to want to throw something. God, please help me not to throw something. I know I'm going to want to get in a shouting match, and if somebody's shouting at me, I'm going to want to do too. Please help me to bite my tongue. You get the idea. I'm going to have to ask God for help. This third one is going to help the most. If you're bitter, you know, if you're struggling with bitterness, or you know anybody is, this is, this is the thing that's going to help the most. Um, <coughs> stop dwelling on passer. We've all been hurt. We've all been offended. Hopefully not by somebody in this room, uh, but chances are somebody has offended somebody in this room, and you, you have to stop dwelling on those passwords. You have to stop talking about them, reminding yourself that it can you can heal, you can move on. But if you just keep regurgitating this in your mind, you are going to stay better. And some people, like this person that I know, wants to stay there. So there's there's God's there to help. There are things that you can do to help yourself not to respond this way. Instead of focusing on these negative things that we were just looking at, try focusing on something positive. Add the positive responses. It says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Valentine's Day is coming up. Anybody know what day it is? The 14th. What day of the week is that? Tuesday. Okay, to make sure everybody knows Tuesday is Valentine's Day. You know what? We need to be kind. This is a Valentine's Day message. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? You know, the idea behind being kind is to treat people that you want the way you want to be treated. You're treating their stuff as if it's your own. You know, think about this. Do you want people to steal your stuff? No. So if you're going to treat them as you treat yourself, you are not going to steal their stuff. Do you want people blowing up in your face? No. So don't blow up in their face. Do you want people spreading gossip about you? No. So don't do the same. You're treating people exactly the way you want to be treated. He says, be compassionate. Be tenderhearted. Be nice. Be gentle. Be caring. Make that your focus. And he says, forgive. Which means to grant forgiveness. It means to pardon. Now I look at all this. You know, I, I look at all those six things that we just looked at. And all I, all I can see is failure. I looked at the three, four things we looked at the last couple weeks. I see failure. I see failure. I see failure. And I'm not looking at you and saying, your problem, your problem, your problem. I'm looking at my problem, my problem, my problem. All I can see is I have failed, and I have failed, and I have failed. It serves to me as a good reminder that I need Jesus. And I hope that, I hope that as you look at this, um, unless you, you figured it out, you're, you're good at these things. If you're good at these things, we need to talk. Because I, I, I need more help on this. But maybe you feel like me, I see failure, Josh. I see failure. I, I don't always keep my tongue quiet. I don't always keep my hands off of people's stuff. I don't always, whatever, whatever it is, you know, this serves as a good reminder that we all need Jesus. The Bible says we have all sin. Uh, we have all lied. We've all stolen. We've all cheated. We've all done things wrong. Um, I just want to take a moment and just say, I hope that you sitting there understand that you are a sinner. You have done something wrong. Uh, and I know this, if you, if you ask Nick, um, we, we talked about this in one, he said, this is like the three million time that you brought this up, you know, the gospel, right? Remember that? And he was, he was on my side, though. He was helping me out. Um, 
But God wants you to understand that we are all sinners. Everybody, whether it's something that major or something little, we, we can look at this and say, I failed somewhere. And the Bible says because we have failed somewhere, we cannot go to heaven. The wages of sin is death, eternity separated from God forever in hell. But because Jesus loves us, he came to this earth, died on the cross, he takes the punishment for your sins so that you can have eternal life. I hope you know that. I hope that you believe that. I hope that uh, you, you put your faith in Jesus and you've trusted him as your Savior so that you can have eternal life. And I hope that as you, as you go through your day, the rest of the day is that eagles beat the chiefs and they stomp them into the ground. And that makes you mad because Joshua's right when it's 41 to 10. And, you, and you're, if you want to say something about me that you should not say, I hope that you are reminded that I'm not going to live like that old man anymore. I'm going to stop and start living like a new man. Jesus created me as a new creation so that I didn't have to go to hell, so that I did not have to live that wicked way until that I could be a new man. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Lord bless you. I'm trying to live for Him. I, I'm going to pray for, you, for God to help you, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm just going to pray that you walk out of this room convicted, unless you take the time right now to make it right with you. Because that's the only thing that matters. All of life, trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, is the only thing that matters. And I hope that's as clear as crystal. So when you walk out this door, no matter what happens to you this week, you know that you have Jesus as your Savior, or you have no excuse when you stand before God that you chose not to accept Him. But you, 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 you pray clear as, as crystal, and you chose to accept it. So I'm going to pray and say, God, please help someone here get saved if they need it. And please help the rest of us to live for Jesus.